This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Today would have been the final game of the season. The final game of the football season is one which football fans up and down the land absolutely hate. Even if it brings a close to a season of rubber stamping and mid-table obscurity like, to be fair, this season watching the Stags would have been. It brings an end to all that joy of going to watch football, those friendships, those adventures, those memories and those laughs. So this week on the Best Time of the Week podcast, I thought rather than let me, Cam and Nathan just ramble on about something random and obscure and utterly pointless, this week I'd relive something absolutely special. I'd talk about a season which when the end comes, people don't care. People don't matter because... Actually, it's a cause for celebration because you've gone on to achieve something. In this particular case, we achieved promotion back to the Football League. Seven years ago, Mansfield Town Football Club won what is now the National League to achieve promotion back to the Football League. The man in the dugout, the man to mastermind that, a year ahead of schedule, was Paul Cox. Paul and I worked together at the Stags during his tenure at the club, especially during those conference years where I worked in work experience within the media department, which I enjoyed absolutely thoroughly. Paul and I became friends during that time as I interviewed him many a time after the match and during the week and spoke to him in the corridors of the One Call Stadium as he put his plans together. A couple of years ago, he, along with Adam Murray and Richie Barker, agreed to come and do Legends Live an event we put on for the Alzheimer's Society at the Sandy Pate Sports Bar at the ground. It was a great night and he, on that night, shared lots of memories with uh, Adam Murray about the more funny times of that season. You know, the laughs and the banter which you have within the dressing room, which was great, but we never really got to hear Paul's full story, the psychology of it all, until today. I'm honoured that uh, a week or so ago, ironically on the seven-year anniversary of Hereford Away, Paul and I managed to sit down together virtually via the power of Facebook Messenger and record the podcast you're about to listen to. This is Paul's journey from start to finish. In it, he talks about his journey coming from Eastwood and his apprehensions of taking the job, all the way through to the most difficult choice he's ever had to make. It's an emotional listen. It's a insightful listen. 
and it's one in which I feel proud and privileged to be able to bring you today on what would have been the final game of the 2019-2020 season. Mansfield Town in Skybet League 2, but thanks to only one man. That man is Paul Cox. His managerial guidance got us out of the conference and led us to be an established football league team once again. I remember his first ever interview as Mansfield Town manager where he said success is built on strong foundations. He put those foundations in place and this is how. Paul, thank you very much for, for joining us today. As I said in the intro uh, just there, uh, today, it's actually, as we're recording this, it's a bit of a, a weird day for us because it's actually seven years since that night at Hereford. I imagine today as well that your uh, social media and text messages and things like that have been absolutely flooded with memories of that. Am I right? Yes, yes. It's been, um, you know, it, it was a special day seven years ago and I think a lot of people remember it quite fondly. So, um, yeah, I've had... Um, you know, a number of, uh, you know, of Texas and uh, obviously, you know, the Twitter's going into in, into a little bit into meltdown in terms of people remembering, um, you know, the night at Hereford. I think one thing this whole situation of coronavirus and COVID-19 has done for us all is given us an opportunity to reflect on uh, memories from the past and a lot of the goals from those conference years and things like that have been popping up on social media. It must be nice for you to sit back and be able to enjoy some of those games without the pressure of being the manager. Yeah, I think it's been it's been great to to reminisce in, in what was a, a fabulous time for the club, uh, for everybody. Um, you know, I think this the championship season, I think we, we, I think we scored something like over 90 goals, 94 goals if I'm correct. And uh, we had some fabulous, fabulous football matches. Um, you know, there were highs and there was also lows. Uh, but, but overall, it's um, I think it's a, it's a season that will always sit in a lot of uh, the Mansfield Town supporters' minds in terms of you know the the Liverpool game, the Hereford game, and and ultimately the, the final game this season when when we were crowned champions. Before we get into uh, the nitty gritty and look back on your time as Stags fans, because it is the day as we've mentioned, it's about five past two uh, in the afternoon at the moment. Seven years ago, how would you have been preparing? Would you? Be, I imagine you would have been on the the coach on the way to Hereford at this point. Well, I actually drove there on the night, actually myself. So um, yeah, you would just basically. Um, the team would have been picked, uh, the set pieces, etc., and all the all the preparation would have been in place. It was just probably having a bit to eat now and um, getting ready to set off because, as, as we all know, it's, uh, it's it's a terrible journey to, to Hereford, especially as soon as you come off the motorways and down those lane roads. It's, it's a horrendous trip. So, um, yeah, you've just been getting prepared and, um, you know, starting the concentration per- uh, you know period to you know, to, to, to forward on in, into the game. Looking back on your decision to, to drive up there, do you think that was a wise choice in the end? Because for me, I didn't drive at the time, so I just remember being a passenger going all the way up and all the permutations of what could be and, and what might not be if, if we didn't win was going through my head. So I imagine having something different to concentrate on was, was quite a relief. Yeah, it was. I, I, I'm one of these people that I enjoy driving. Um, it relaxes me. It gives me time to, to do a lot of thinking, um, dissect things, etc. So, you know, on the way there, and, and especially whatever the re, you know the the result was um, on the way back, it would have gave me 
you know a lot of time to to do a lot of thinking because obviously we, there was a short turnaround, you know, uh, before the the next game at Wrexham. Um, luckily enough, we won, and I ended up stopping at a pub um, that was in the middle of nowhere and um, walked in to find. I think it was about 100, 100 Stags fans in there, um, <laughs> to which you know we had a few beers and um, I think we played a few games of pool. So, so it was, um, it was a good night overall. Absolutely magical night. We'll come on to it a little bit more in the story later on, but let's go back uh, to the very, very start. Obviously, this is not the first time you've been on the Mansfield Matters podcast. A couple of years ago, you, along with Adam Murray and Richie Barker, were fantastic for us, came back to the One Call Stadium and did the Legends Live. We spoke a lot about the stories and the funny little stories that night. This time around, because it's just you, just you and me uh, speaking here, I wanted to get into the little bit of your journey a little bit more, find out a bit more about the psychology and, and the process between you being appointed and taking us to where we, we've got. So if it's all right with you, I'm going to go back to the very, very start. How did you become Mansfield Town Manager? What was the, the journey between uh, you leaving Eastwood and being appointed as the Stags boss? Uh, well, it, it did start at the Stags ground, if I'm going to be honest. Um, I was still at you know, my, my present club, which is Eastwood. Uh, we had a, a Nottingham Sassini Cup final at uh, you know at the One Call Stadium. Um, it's a trophy that we I think we won I think about four, five, six times on, on the bounce to be honest. And we, we came up against the Carlton side that were that were very good that year and um, we ended up winning the game with something like five or six two I think. Um, finished it, celebrated. I was in the bar drinking and um, I noticed uh, uh, Lyndon Meekle was, was was sat with uh, a couple of representatives from Mansfield, and I think I was talking to um, I think it was Richard Cooper at the time, who was who was on my staff, and saying to him that you know I think I think Lyndon's been tapped up. Um, then I got a tap on the shoulder, and um, you know I turned around, and there was a gentleman in front of me, and he introduced himself as John Radford. Um, just said you know would, would I like a drink and congratulations on the game and. Um, you know, it would be okay if he, you know, if if we took space in the week, and and from there on, it, it that, that's where it went, Craig. If I'm honest, um, you know, went went through everything, um, like everyone should in in terms of a, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the interview process, um, you know, and um, came out and they offered me the job, and you know, that's, you know. That's the beginning. It was a strange time for for a Mansfield fan because obviously the, the the year before we'd had the takeover, we we'd got John Radford at, at the helm, and we've got to Wembley at the FA Trophy final and things like that. But in terms of squad, I remember it being very very threadbare. How difficult was was that process to then build a squad to try and get that expectation to take Mansfield forward? Well, I think you've just used the word there, the expectation. Um, I think with, with, with any Mansfield side, no matter what division there is, there's always going to be the expectation of, of being successful. So um, I think the priorities were to, to, to realistically have a look at what they what they had, um, what, I was, what I was inheriting, and, uh, you know, to, to add to that with what I would call the players that not just got the ability in, you know, to, be, to be champions, but had the desire... Uh, to be champions and the mentality to be champions. So um, there were some big decisions to be made. Uh, there was a few surprises. I, I can remember. I can I can go back in my head. You know, the seven seven years it was eight years as it was. Um, you know, to some of the question marks that, that a lot of people um, put on some of the signings. Um, 
You know, I brought in people like Lyndon Meekle, Lee Stevenson, uh, relatively unknowns, you know, in non-league football. Um, but I knew I had a, had a great pedigree, um, good ability, and, and, and more importantly, a great mindset to, to win things. So, um, you know, sort of dissecting the squad and, and, and bringing in people that I trusted, that I, I knew wanted to be uh, champions and, and, and who wanted to progress was... I think was key in, in you know, in, in, in the promotion process. And obviously in doing that as well, you brought with you a lot of your backroom staff from there. You mentioned Richard Cooper, who's now head of the academy at, at Mansfield and other people like that. Everywhere you've been, you've seemed to have sort of the, the same faces and things around you. Why as a manager, do you think it's important for you to have uh, that same backroom staff and, and work with people? What you know Is that the ingredient which perhaps helped you to achieve the things which you did achieve at Mansfield? I, I think trust comes into it. And I don't mean trust as in just trusting somebody to, you know, with, with, um, you know, with, with, with uh, delicate information. But I, I, I trust people's opinions uh, as, as a as a manager, but more importantly, as a person, you know, I'm, I'm never right all the time. And I, I like people around me that in the right environment, in the right way, uh, can pull me to one side and, and, and question, and question um, my decision making. And uh, I think it's very important when you've got honest people around you, all have the same, uh, the same goal, uh, you know, the, the same, the same mindset that you can trust their opinions. And I, I don't think as a manager, you can be, dictatorial you, you have to you have to bend a little bit and you have to you have to take on other people's ideas and um you know ultimately it's your decision at the end of the day but it's uh, it's important to have that that circle of trust around you um and i think that that's been very important uh you know it was very important in the early stage very important at, at, you know during the my period at mansfield what do you think your biggest challenge was with in that first season molding that squad together uh, I think I think it was getting everyone to believe again that um, that we that we could become champions. Uh, I can remember when I walked into the club, probably one of the first fans forums. They, there was um, there, there seemed to be a lack of belief um, that we could achieve. Um, there, there seemed to be a split in, in, in the club. There seemed to be a lot of people heading in different directions, um, the club wasn't one. Um, and in these times, especially you know, with, with, a, with a big club like Mansfield was, when you're in there, um, when you're in the conference, the main thing is is, is sometimes you, you, you have to get your head around the fact that you're in non-league. And you, uh, I think when I spoke to a supporter at, at one point, um, you know, I, 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 he, he, well, he, he turned around to me and said, look, we're a big club, we're a football league club. And I understood his his mindset, but I had to to correct him, um, you know. And I asked him exactly, you know, where Mansfield had finished, you know, in the previous number of seasons in the conference. Um, I don't think they'd ever finished above tenth. So they were, you know, we got our heads around the fact that we were a mid-table, non-league football club then, um, and that might seem strange, but we had to start. We had to have our starting point to build from and if we can't get our heads around the fact that where we were we, we, we couldn't build on it so it was getting the whole club to really buy into to, to what we were about and um, and it was tough Just following on from that obviously you mentioned the conversation with the, the supporter there I think you're absolutely right yeah. because I remember being in that point and 
because it didn't click straight away, it it felt like such a battle. Did you did you ever have doubt for a second that it might the the majority of the faithful might not come back on come back on side or, or get on board, especially that sort of you know December that November to December period? Because I think that was pretty much the, the toughest period, wasn't it? I don't think it was it was just my tenor at the club. I just think the club was starting because of the Haslam era. Um, uh, it, it's very easy for you know for the majority to to start to think negative. I don't think that's Mansfield supporters. I just think that's human beings in in general. Absolutely. You know the, the fans had had such a bad rap, you know, for a number of years that um, this is how I looked at it. I never looked at it personally. I looked at it as a, as being a challenge. Um, I looked at it as being you know, there's a lot of good people supporters that pay harder money to come into this club that have had a bit of a bad rap of late. And and the hardest thing is is to convince people, you know, that you're going to make them successful, the club. Uh, and that was the biggest battle, Craig, if I'm going to be totally honest. Um, but that was the, the challenge. And I know I kept reiterating it, but uh, at the time, is that it was going to be a challenge. The challenge wasn't necessarily to, to always win football matches. The challenge was to, to make people believe again. And, you know, if you do look over that, you know, that two, three-year period, um, you know, people started to believe again. Um, you know, the big games that we had, the, you know, like I say, there was down times, you know. So but that happens in any league, to any football club, and to any support group in, in, in football. When you look at it, when you look back and look at those results and, and things like that, how much of a uh, an impact do you think the patience from the board has? Because if you look at things in, in modern day football, if you're not really getting results instantaneously, you lose your job. We saw, we saw it this, this year with uh, one of your ex-players in, in John Dempsey who didn't have the, the, the start that he wanted and it went a little bit downhill. How grateful are you now and, and uh, looking back that, you were stuck with and you were allowed to let those foundations start to set? Well, I, I think John Radford needs to need to, an amazing amount of credit here. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I look at the man and uh, I, I think, I just think he, he was pivotal in, in Mansfield town, Mansfield town's growth. Um, Every, every time I, I'd speak to him, even at the lowest times, John had this amazing ability to come and see me at my lowest points, if that makes sense. Uh, I'll give you an example. There was one, I think we'd just been beaten away at Cambridge 4-1, I think it was. Yeah, I remember okay. that well, yeah. And, you know, I arrived back at the ground to see a, a massive flag being put where I parked my car, just saying Cox out. Um, wow. You know, which is, you know, which is not nice because I'm, I'm probably the worst loser anyway um so that makes you feel bad but you know during that period john you know john had this ability and i'll give you an example he gave me a phone call in that uh, in that period where where we weren't we weren't winning consistently um and he asked me to come in and and, and have a pint with him and uh you know he asked me a, a quite a quite open question he said you, you're kind of not worried because you're not winning, are you? To which I obviously replied, yeah, I am. I'm just because I don't enjoy losing. Anybody that knows me knows that I take it very, very personally. Um, you know, probably too far sometimes. Um, and he openly said to me straight away, he said, well, don't worry because I'm never going to sack you. Mm. And, um, you know, to which point after the after the conversation and we finished our pints, 
uh, I went outside and, and told my wife to just to prepare for, for me getting a sack in the next two or three yeah, days. Yeah, it almost sounds like a vote of confidence, that, doesn't it? Don't worry, I'm not going to yeah. sack you. It almost does sound like a vote of confidence. Yeah, it was a dreaded vote of confidence. But, you know, I think I think the thing with John and my relationship with John was is that, uh, you know, and I think my wife was close to Carolyn at the time. And uh, I, I, I just think that a lot of people didn't realise, you know, what the four of us did in the early stages of the club. I can remember Carolyn, you know, making sandwiches for the players, you know, with my wife. Uh, I can remember John being very, very hands-on. And a lot of people, you know, will say that John put a lot of money into the club. Uh, I think John and Carolyn have put a lot more than money into the club, um, especially in those early days. And I think, you know, I look at it now, and I think probably John and Carolyn did probably enjoy it in those days a little bit more when there was a little bit more hands-on. And, um, you know, there the, wasn't, on the club, you know, with the finance, etc., to uh, to achieve, uh, you know, result after result after after result. But you know, the one going back to John, I think the one thing about John is he had this. It, it, I'm best when somebody manages me really well, and John had this amazing ability to uh, to make me feel a million dollars or or to bring me back down onto a level playing field, and he had this this amazing way of doing it. And um, I think that was a massive part of the the success we had in, uh, and, and something that I'll never forget. Yeah, certainly. I always remember being in and around the club at that time as well, just sort of, I was commentating a lot of then, so I saw every single match and uh, was pretty much at the club three or four days a week doing experience. And the things you were saying there about John and Carolyn being hands-on and things like that, along with your wife, absolutely spot on. And they would always have conversations with you. And you would, for me, I think it's the only time as, as a supporter when I put my supporter's hat on that I never felt like results were the first thing that were being judged on. It genuinely felt, especially in that first season, like there was some form of progress there. And I think that's, for, for from my point of view, is something which help transpire onto the pitch because January onwards, like that second season, this, there was that resurgence, there was that belief which then did carry out onto the pitch with the players. Yeah, it, it, I'll be honest with you, Craig, it was just like one big family. Um, you know, like I say, John and Carolyn, and, and you know, I, I read a lot about them and, um, I, you know, I, I know they get a lot of pats on the back, but I still don't think they get the amount of, of, of credit that they, that they, they should have for um, for what they put in, especially in the early years. The early years is, 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 I think, what built the football club. I mean, there was no youth infrastructure, no no youth football happening uh, I mean, there. You know, we I had to put in a, you know, a sort of foundation to get the, the youth team up and running, you know, with the colleges, etc. Um, you know, people, you know, the, the, the thing that disappoints me sometimes about Mansfield is that people always call us Money Bags United. And, yeah. and as you probably know, Craig, you was working in that environment. It wasn't Money Bags United in that stage. You know, we, don't get me wrong, we had a healthy wage bill, but it, we were like one big family. You know, when you see the, the you know, the chairman tucking in like he did and, 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 and caroling making sandwiches uh, and, and, and being hands-on with everything, um, that epitomised to me what, what we was trying to build at the football club then and um, I don't think a lot of many supporters realise some of this stuff and um, it's only probably something like I say probably seven or eight years later when you look back um, that I, you know people say to me why do I look back on it so fondly and I go well it was fantastic that's how you build a football club for me you build it with the people around you um, and, it, and everyone's you know everyone's got the equal part to play uh, from Mez doing the pitch you know, in the training ground to, to you know, all the 
people that helped us out. Uh, it, it was one big family, and um, you know, I, I knew I knew in that first season that we'd, we'd be successful. And we relatively were in that first season as well. I don't think when you first came in, a lot of supporters expected us to finish how we did. Ended up finishing in the playoffs. What do you think the the magic ingredient was in that running when we came from sort of mid-table at Christmas time to finish strongly in the playoffs? What was what was the ingredient? Was it just that family environment or was it simply the fact that the players had just brought into what you were trying to instill from day one? I think any... Going back to football, any 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 successful team needs a, a period where you, you build something. Um, you know, I expected this to. I mean, John gave me a three-year plan. He always gave me three-year plans. My, my plan was to get the club out of the conference in, in year three. Um, as everyone knows from me, anyone knows me personally knows I'm a very impatient person. So, you know, I just kept saying to John that you know, we can do it in the first year. There's not a problem. Um, I do think we'd have done it in our first year if we'd have kept Matt Green. Yeah, we'll um, come on to that. <laughs> I'm totally honest. Um, but no, it's um, there was a lot of ingredients that went into it. We, we worked hard. We changed, we changed the mindset, you know, throughout the season. You know, I saw a mindset change in, in, in our support. Um, you know, as a football club, we, we were growing. And this all takes time, um, you know, but it was so it was so pleasing for me to see the whole thing coming together a lot quicker than um, than I've been given time to do it in. Um, and like I say, I do think uh, some things do happen for a reason. And I think losing Matt in the first leg of the playoffs um, was a killer. I think if you lose any 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 of your best players, and especially your top goal scorer, uh, in in sort of those kind of games, it's um, you know, it, it goes against you and it, and it did that year, which which was disappointing. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit more because um, we're going to be recording a, a podcast later on, me, Nathan and Cam the, and the boys. We're going to be looking at so nears yet so far for Mansfield and that's going to be uh, one of them. And obviously with all these this coronavirus and everything, all the matches and stuff have been put on iFollow, which has been great and a lot of the highlights. I was watching a few from the York game and things like that the other day and looking back over old reports and it just made me look back and just think of how important Matt Green was that, that season. Because like you said, take him out in the second leg and it was like we were absolutely completely a different side. Yeah. Um, you, you look at us in the first leg. Uh, I thought we went away. We was absolutely ultra-professional in the first leg. Um, I still say to this day that we wasn't a sending off. Um, you know, people might disagree with me. But I'm, I'm always a little bit biased in, 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 in that sense. But... It was the fine lines, if you remember. Yeah. Uh, going back, I think we got done after the just just over ninety minutes, I think, in in the second leg. Uh, and it's fine. It's fine lines. Um, you know, the psychology when you take your, you know, your your leading goal scorer out. That um, you know, that time was was you know was our catalyst to, to winning games in terms of scoring you know goals, even when we were uh, in in the tight games then. It has a, it, it does have a uh, a negative psychology on your on your team. Um, I can remember in the game we had one or two chances that you think I wish I had felt the greeny and um, but look th- these things happen and it was um, it was something that uh, we had to take on the chin. It's something that after especially after the the run after Christmas that there was an incredible amount of hurt in in terms of how it finished because I, I did actually think that we were good enough to to get promoted through the playoffs that year. Um, but we had to put it down to experience. We had to put it to bed straight away psychologically and we had to come back stronger. 
But on the flip side of that, obviously, we had the, the second leg without Matt Green. You had 90-odd minutes, 120 minutes in the end. We lost Richie Sutton late on as well to a, a second yeller. Looking at that, I suppose that gave everybody not just the belief that we could go on the next season, but also it, it gave you guys, from a management perspective, that thing of, right, well, we, we've got the firepower, we just need to back it up and just need to solidify those foundations a little bit more, which is then something you went on and did in the summer. Yeah, like I said, I think I was quoted as saying that the work starts now, as soon as the game had finished. Um, like I say, I think everyone was hurting because uh, there was such, there was, there was starting to develop a, such a good feel good factor at the club, Craig. Mm. Um, not just amongst the supporters. Uh, like I say, you, you was in there and around the you know, the uh, the officers, etc. Uh, I think there was a real belief um, and thought process that we that we could achieve something that. Um, if we're going to be totally honest, we never really got close to in the in the previous seasons in the National League. Mm. And, and this National League is such a, a horrible beast. You know, you look at the, the teams now, the Wrexhams, the Notts Counties, the Chesterfields, everybody, everybody now is, is don't give it the, the respect it deserves. No, it's, just it, staying down there for, for a considerable amount of time. So That's what Mansfield um, had done as well. Sorry to cut you off. That's, what, that's exactly what Mansfield had done in those previous three years before you arrived. I mean... Going into the first year, obviously, we had a, a very threadbare squad. I think we ended up picking like 11 fans for the first game, which which played. We might as well have been better off doing that, to be fair. Then David Holdsworth came in with a big reputation and signed everybody under the sun. And then, obviously, we, we got to Wembley the, the season after that. But we never really respected it. We always went into it with this attitude, like your Lutons, like your Wrexhams have done, of we are Mansfield Town. It took something special to be able to rein everybody in from that to be fair and I think and, that, and going back to the early parts Craig that's the psychology when I first walked into the club that I tried to instill you know the, the conversation with the supporter that I had um, you know the, the, the you know the statement he made was you know we're, we're a football league club and that, that's where we deserve to be and my answer was something along the lines of you know we, we, you're a mid-table non-league club at the minute um, you know you have to give this league respect if you keep going into games thinking you're just going to win every game 6-0 the conference is, is a horrible beast that just eats you up and, yeah. and to be honest I either say now that football respects nobody it doesn't respect nobody I've seen so many giants that have just fallen through that trap door that uh, are still lingering you know Stockport County were a conference north club uh, at one stage York City are in the conference north now Yeah. Um, football respects nobody and that's the that's the psychology I tried to, to instill within the football club and and you know it, it was hard. It took a bit of time, but you know over you know overall you know over the over the period we we got the grips with it. Um, we knew when we had to go away to to teams woken away on a on a cold Tuesday night. We we had to have a siege mentality. It wasn't just about going there and and you know and, and expecting us to win because because we're an ex football league club. We had to go there and we had to impose ourselves and we had to. We had, we had to, you know, bricks come through windows. I was, I was literally just going to you know say I mean? they were the ones we, with we the siege mentality, weren't they? Yeah. An uncompromising league. And, um, and I said, you know, I look back and I look at what we did in such a short amount of time. And, um, and that's why I have so much pride about, about you know, as a club, what, what, what we achieved. We mentioned uh, the importance of uh, Matt Green in there. We'll obviously touch upon him a little bit more later on in terms of his importance with uh, the Hereford game. But obviously, that the first season where you came in, Matt Green was one of your first signings, initially on loan from Oxford. We very nearly lost him back to Oxford as well uh, in that January. How much of a blow would that have been to to the way you were you were setting up going into the second part of the season? 
I've been totally, you know, to totally blunt. You know, I think he won the Golden Boot. Um, you know, the season we won the championship. So you, you take somebody that scores 20 plus goals out out your side, and and it, and it, it does create a hole. Um, so Matt, Matt, Matt was pivotal. Um, not, and I, I'm going to say this not just as a goal scorer, but in terms of his character and his uh, his influence in the dressing room. Um, and Matt's probably one of the toughest lads I've ever managed. Um, you know, because Matt's got a little bit of an edge to him. But in terms of our relationship, um, you know, we we we'd have some right arguments. Um, you know, but Matt, I think, always knew that I loved him. Um, Matt, Matt always knew that, you know, when he went through that, that that period of not scoring, you know, Matt's alter ego would come out and he'd rebel in, in a certain way, which I think sometimes he, he, he needed a cuddle. Um, you know, and there was lots of times like that where I think our relationship, um, you know, helped Matt um, develop into a... Into, into a fantastic footballer who's had a, who, who I think's had a fabulous career. Um, you know, and what, once again I look at look at his career, even when he you know when he left us, he went to Birmingham, and if he wasn't for his you know his knee injury, I think would have played a hell of a lot more you know games in the championship, scored a lot more goals. So I get a sense of pride, you know, that I've that I've worked with Matt and and had a you know had a had an influence you know on on on, on what he's achieved. Um, you know, and the lad deserves so much credit for for what he has done in, in the game. He's been he's been a fabulous servant for for every club he's, he's played for. Yeah, you mentioned uh, their words like pride and things like that, and I think one point of of Matt Green's development when he first came in, everyone as the as fans always do when you sign a player straight away, you go on Google and look at the stats. He wasn't really an out and out goal scorer. It was one of those where is he really going to impress for us? And then and then he did. But a big part of that was partnering with people like Ross Dyer and, and Matt Reed. What was that like? Because you obviously knew Matt Reed a lot from previous clubs and things like that. When you brought him into the building, were you thinking Matt Green's exactly the type of player that can play off him and be effective? Yeah, I just think that's the, that's the part of the skill. Um, you know, what would you say? As being a football manager, it, it, it's looking at permutations. It's looking at your centre-back pairing, your centre-midfield pairing, and, 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 and exactly two centre-forwards. I mean, in the early days, you know, in that first season, we we played a 4-2-3-1. Um, and it was it, Matt Green, uh, Matt Reed, sorry, was used predominantly as, probably in his second year as well as a, as a, as a, as a more of an impact player. But Ross Dyer in the first season played on the right and you know we would we would you know if we could we'd work you know things out so we'd hit the diagonal and, and, and play Matt Green off that um you know Matt Green's strengths for me were you know occupying a back four on his own he had the genetics the pace the power to get in behind people what he needed was somebody to take you know take all the the rubbishy things the you know the winning the first ball holding it up etc uh and and you know the second phase you know, from crosses um, to feed Matt, and, and that's what we worked on. Um, I think the game's pretty simplistic, especially in the final third. You know, you could have one of the best goal scorers on the planet, but if he's not getting the service or he's he's not picking up the second phase from the second striker, then um, then he's not going to be getting chances. So, um, yeah, we, you know, we, we worked a lot, and, and, I, and I think the, the the two boys, you know, that, that played um, systematically up there with him, um, helped Matt in his. Um, 
you know, in that early development. And I think a lot of people as well don't realise the contribution which those two in particular in Ross Dyer and Matt Reed particularly had because everybody looks at the goal scorer, everybody looks at the amount of goals he scored, but without the service, as you say, you can't get there. One of my favourite memories of Ross Dyer, I think it was Forest Green away, he scored something after like 15 seconds, which is the quickest ever Mansfield goal, which was just incredible and really highlighted the way as you mentioned there, that you you like to play, getting at teams early, getting the ball wide and trying to put defences under pressure. Yeah, I mean, that, that was it. I mean, if, if you look at, um, you know, if, if you look at the league in, 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 in a whole, um, you know, the, the, the teams that, you know, that, that didn't have that, that sort of, uh, that out ball, um, you know, seemed to struggle, um, especially when you got into the, you know, the second and the third phase of the season, which, you know, which is the, the pitches are really muddy and all the pitches are rock hard. Um, you know, he gave you that out ball, but I just think, you know, both of them deserve an, an incredible amount of credit because both of them did stuff that, you know, is usually unseen, you know, uh, and, and well, goes unseen, should I say. Um, you know, everyone, you know, Mac, Mac, you know, got all the plaudits and, uh, and picked up all the, you know, the trophies, the player of the year trophies and the top goal scorer trophies, but, you know, the, the thing that, you know, especially with Reedy is, yeah, I think if you played alongside him, if you'd have asked Matt, um, you know, the man's a dream to play alongside. He, he, he does all the horrible work um, and allows you to, you know, to just to, to pick up all the medals and, and all the plaudits. And, and Reedy's that much of a of a professional that he's, that, that's, that, that's his personality. He's, he's happy with that. Um, the, the sad sort of thing about Reedy, if I'm going to be honest, is that Reedy, actually went to Lincoln to become a legend, uh, Craig. Yeah. Um, you know, which I don't know. Um, you know, I've known the I've known the kid for, for a long, 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 long time and you, you wouldn't meet a more a more pleasant man, uh, an honest man to work with and um, you know, in, in my time out of football I covered a lot of games at Lincoln and they absolutely hero worshipped him there and um, you know, I, I sometimes feel a little bit sorry for him that um, you know that uh, when we was at Mansfield, that he probably didn't get the plaudits that yeah. he, he, he he should have he should have got. If I'm honest, Craig. Yeah, a lot of people um, always looked at him as as a one type striker, and you know lump it up to him and, and and get the flick ons. But he was quite articulate. He could he could really play. I remember watching him in quite a few reserve games and friendlies and and, and what have you. And he could he could actually play, and you could see why. Him and Matt Green went on to be so successful at, at Lincoln, and why Reedy himself became a legend there. I, I, I agree with you, Paul. I think he, he perhaps should have had a little bit more from the Mansfield fans to to give him the credit he deserved. Because let's face it, I know it's it's just one moment, but that header which he, the, the assist he gave for Green at Hereford seven years ago today, without that we wouldn't be where we are. But he had so many different contributions throughout it all. But I suppose it, it's football fans in general, isn't it? You only see the the person who's getting yeah, the headlines. Yeah. I speak to a lot of Mansfield fans now, and Craig, and and one of the things that really gets brought up was, uh, you know, it is reading, um, you know, especially when Lincoln were were going through their little period of uh, of success, um, where Reedy was instrumental in it, um, you know. But if you think back to Reedy, Reedy in the FA Cup, it was Reedy that scored the yeah. equaliser at Lincoln, yeah, um, that got us the replay, and the yeah, just not just as a as, as a player, um, I think he was more gifted than, than a lot of people gave him credit for. He was, a, he was a good footballer. I mean, I think it was Arsene Wenger said he was the best passer of the ball with his head. Um, <laughs> um, you know, which is which is the ultimate. Um, you know, somebody of that, uh, you know, that, that sort of, 
you know level of the game is is talking about him like that, then then you need to take notice. But he had a great touch. He was fantastic with his back towards goal. He was quite articulate with the ball. Um, he, he was he was better than a, than a, a lot of people gave him credit for, and um, I think he deserved a lot more a lot more um, a lot more plaudits. But um, but no, sometimes it happens, and um, you know I, I just think he, he he could have been a stalwart for, for the club. Um, you know, and, and dare I say, probably even got the club out, out of League Two. Um, you know, but uh, there we go. Can't yeah. Come back. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, you can't. There's so many moments we'd love to go back to over the last couple of years. And you look at players like Matt Green and Matt Reed, and you think, what impact would they have had? And I think that's that's some in some ways, which is almost halted, you know, future managers and and things like that. Especially when Adam Murray took over from from yourself as manager, because. Because he he was a player and such a sort of fiery-hearted player, everyone expected him to have the same success, and it didn't quite happen. What was that like for you to watch from the outset? I know we'll talk a little bit more about your departure later on, but just as a as a general, was that a difficult period to to look at results and and look at the the amount of stick and things he was taking on social media, considering you know the work he'd done as a player to get you there in the first place? Yeah, I, I always think um, the thing about football is 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 that it doesn't remember. Um, yeah, I, I just think there's, you know, it forgets. You know, people forget what managers have done, what, what players have done, um, and that that's not that's not a, a slant on anyone. That's just human nature. Is yeah. that you know, everyone's looking for the next trophy? Um, it's 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 just one of those things, Craig. It's it happens in football. Um, you know, footballers are, you know, are thick-skinned and they you know they they, they kind of get on with it. Um, you know, and, and more importantly, the game the game is about opinions and, and people's livelihoods depend on it. You know, on, on those opinions, they people win you know get jobs and lose jobs on opinions. Um, so, so I understand that. So uh, it was, you know, I, I watched from afar, but um, yeah, it was just it was one of those things where. I think I think Matt Matt had to go and find. Uh, it sounds a bit weird, but had to go and find himself at another club. If that makes sense, Craig. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes you just get lost in the system and, and get lost in your way, really, which is which is a shame. But um, let's um, just move it back to um, the 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 promotion season now. The real catalyst you mentioned Matt Reed scoring in, uh, at Lincoln uh, in the FA Cup. In that FA Cup run. What went through your head when Liverpool were pulled out of the hat? Obviously, we, we'd not beaten Lincoln at that point. It was dependent on a replay. But as it's getting pulled out, Lincoln or Mansfield will play Liverpool. What's going through your head as, as manager? Uh, honestly, I had my wife sat beside me at the time and we'd had a bet with Carolyn and John that if if we drew a, a premiership club out, that, that me, and, me and Tasha would get married. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as you can imagine, um, we, were, we were born 13. Were we? Right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, unlucky for some. And then when Liverpool came out, the absolute living room erupted. Um, so I think I was thinking more about, oh my God, you know, the the, the rest of my life's going to be. Uh, I'm throwing away the rest of my life now because I, <laughs> I shook a hand with John. Careful what you say because she will probably hear this. <laughs> say it again, sorry. Careful what you say because she she might listen back to this. Yeah, she'll listen. To, she'll probably listen to me now. She's downstairs. But, um, <laughs> No, no, it's um, it was it was a little bit surreal, um, and I always use the word surreal because that's exactly what it was. It was um, it was it was everything that I thought we deserved, if I'm honest, and everything that I think the club deserved. Uh, we'd worked extremely hard. 
uh, we'd had an amazing heartache, you know, the season before, and I don't think people realise how much it hit us, you know, getting knocked out of the playoffs. Um, you know, we were going through an indifferent time. I think we were tenth in the league at the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you know, we we'd had a few ups and downs in the in the games in the FA Cup before that. I think we, it took us two rounds to get over. I'm trying to think the club we you know we we had to go away to in the in the Southern League. We ended up going to Slough, didn't we? I think we had Slough, Wor- Workington in the first round in the fourth qualifier, which I think we we won quite comfortably. Then, yeah, Spatey scored, scored yeah. two or three and gone. Um, then, then Slough, we Slough drew at home 0 0, didn't we? I think we won 1 0, something like that down there. That yeah, we, we drew foggy, drew in. Foggy type pitch. Yeah, we ended up, I think it was penalty, a penalty shootout. The la- that's actually the last penalty shootout Mansfield won. Yeah, which, so which is was, madness. Um, so, you know, <laughs> coming, coming through all that and then going into the game at Liverpool, uh, this is, this is the, the psychology of football, is that. Realistically, with about I think it was ninety second minute when Reedy headed the equaliser and at Lincoln away. Yeah. Um, there, there was that sort of expectation that something good's going to happen here, um, and it was starting to. I can always remember the fans. We, we, we filled the, the support we got at Lincoln was immense, um, and I can remember the, the ground erupted when when Reedy scored the equaliser. So, so I, I think it was something that we deserved and. Um, but it was it was one of those moments where you probably had to pinch yourself um, because you know, Liverpool. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, European Cup winners and one of the biggest big, biggest names in football. So um, yeah, it was uh, it was surreal. But I did I did double uh, you know the 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 other thing of of, of I knew then that um, Tash was never going to let me off this this bet that we, we had with John and Carolyn. So. And what a time that was as well, because it got lots of publicity because obviously you, you let it slip and it got out there that you'd had this bet and I think we erected a, a tent on the, on the what was the old AstroTurf pitch next to the, the training pitch for you to, to have your wedding reception and stuff in. What an absolute roller coaster of a, a, a time for you. Yeah, it was. I mean, I'd probably look back now and probably think, even Tasha would say we probably did everything too quickly, but once again, John and Carolyn were, were, were superstars. Um, John put a uh, you know, a marquee up on, on the side of the ground, and uh, it was a bit surreal to be fair. And I, I, John John Ramshaw was me, you know, was my best man, and we we went for a quick beer in West Bridgeford and walked out of the pub, and there was two camera crews following us around. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I said to John, I said, you know, there's something going off in in West Bridgeford, and it was John that had to put me right and say that they were following us. So it was all it was all surreal building up to it. I was quite happy when when the the wedding side of it was over, if I'm honest, Craig. Mm-hmm. And, and we could get back to concentrating on on the football because everything was thrown at us. I think if we'd have won, me and Tasha had a, you know, could have gone anywhere. In the oh, world the Sun used to do stupid. Yeah, the um, Sun newspaper used to do like stupid things, didn't they, in FA Cup round three? Like for, for especially for non-league teams, like cars for the goalkeepers if you could pass half an hour without conceding and daft little things like that. That must have been yeah. a, a nightmare to contend with. Try, trying at the same time to put a team together to go and compete. Yeah, uh, like I say, I'm not one. If I if I'm going to be totally honest, Craig, I, I, and I know probably some people will laugh at this, but I, I'm quite shy as a person, and a lot of the a lot of the attention that I was getting, uh, it was was a little bit unnerving for me because I, you know, the the real people who really know me, you know, John and Coops and that, will know that I'm quite a, a private. Um, I'm, I'm quite a quiet, shy person, um, you know, behind the scenes. 
I'd rather just watch someone else get up on stage and, and sing a song and, and clap them rather than, than do it myself, if that makes sense. And um, no, it was, it was a little bit surreal in those times because, you know, we had the FA Cup at a, you know, at, uh, after the wedding at, in, in the marquee and um, it was all, it all seemed a bit of a blur. And um, it was only when, when we sort of came out a few days later that, you know, my feet had, had, had actually touched the ground. So it was great to get back to, uh, you know, to what I loved, which is, which was planning to try and take down the Kings of Europe at the time, which was, uh, you know, which was going to be a big ask. Well, you say it was going to be a big ask, but you very, very nearly did. If it hadn't been for the hand of Luis Suarez, who knows where Mansfield could have been? Yeah, it's... Um... So so many stories from you know from from that time. Um, I can remember talking to Paul Nyland and you know he'd had emails from all around the world, um, you know talking about Mansfield Town. Um, you know the wife bought me Louis Suarez's autobiography. Um, but that went down well. Later, well, I, 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 well, I undid the present. It was my birthday, and <laughs> the look on my face it was you know Louis Suarez's sort of autobiography and. You know, I said, oh, thanks for that. You know, do you want to just rub a little bit more salt in the wound? And she said, no, just I've, 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 um, I've highlighted a page. And, and there's a paragraph in there where he writes about me, um, you know, which was, once again, surreal. Um, and he wrote about me not sort of chucking him to the wolves after the game, which I could have done. Um, I think I can remember it was John Barnes and I think Kevin Keegan uh, when I did the first interview live on Sky and, they asked me about it, and um, as I did in the press conference, you know, I reiterated that uh, one, he's a, he's, a, he's a wonderful, talented footballer that I, I think I would love to see gracing the English leagues rather than the Italian leagues or the Spanish leagues. And two, he did what any instinctive striker would have done. Mm. Um, I don't blame him. I blame the referee, which, which was ten yards away, and the linesman that was was in line with you know with, with play. So. Um, if you look at his body language when he when he scored the goal, it was basically out of surprise that the referee had given it um, initially. Um, and if it was Matt Green, I'm not not going to change my stance. And if it was Matt Green, and we'd have beat Liverpool like that, I'd have taken it. Absolutely, we all would. We all would. It, it's, it's just yeah. the nature of yeah. football, isn't it? When something doesn't go your way, you, you kick off about it. But when it does go your way, you're happy. It's just one of those moments. And I, I guess. It just—it must be such a surreal thing to to look back on and think that that actually happened, and then, you know, for him to of all the things to pick out in his career to to pick out that moment and to give you that that praise that must sort of, you know, again highlight the level of respect you you have for him and uh, and the way you conducted yourself as a manager at that time. Well, I always think you've got to conduct yourself well as a manager I always think you have to be professional you know there's, there's likes and dislikes in the game I hear some people spout off and I, I find some of the, the things they say quite cheap um, you know, I just think if you know, my mother used to say to me like, if, you, if you can't say anything nice don't say anything at all so I probably don't say anything in those in those situations but no I just I just think in, in that time I think you always have to tell the truth and if I'm going to be totally honest, I, I was I was so proud of the whole football club. Um, I, I thought the the boys we you know we were playing you know one of the kings of Europe and at half time I ripped into a number of them uh, because we we were playing the occasion not the game 
but in the second half, uh, and I've listened to the commentary all the way through now on Sky, and uh, we gave them a really good uh, run for the money. Absolutely. Um, another day, um, there was a handball. You know, Greeny might have had another one. Uh, Housie missed the target. Um, you know, when when well placed. Um, not anything that we we took the game. I, th- I thought we did our supporters proud, and, and I think the football club proud, and you know the. The, the sort of standing ovation and, and, and the noise at the end of the game, even though we've lost the football match. Um, you know, said to our supporters that we've, we've given it a right good go and, we, you know, we've not been defensive. You know, I've seen people against the big clubs now put 11 men behind the ball and, and just try and, you know, I think my teams have always gone to try and attack teams and try and score goals. I and think... uh, that's what we try to do with one of the, the biggest names in football. Absolutely. I think one of the things which sort of stands out in my memory is first and foremost the noise I'd never felt noise like that at the one call for for years and years and years but secondly as you mentioned there the fact that we didn't alter our game we played the way that we played we played the way which made us successful and any other yeah. non-league team at that point would have like you said just sat 11 men behind the ball and just tried to nick it and I think that's to yeah. to the squad's credit to go and play that way yeah I think in the first half we you know, we sat off them and showed them too much respect. I look at the first goal, which was about after about nine minutes, yeah. I think it was. Um, you know, that wasn't our game. We, you know, we, we were pressing high in those days. You know, we were sort of, you know, people talk about, you know, Jurgen Klopp's side pressing high now. We used to press really high in those days. And, you know, we sat off them for the first half. It's only when we really pressed them high in the second half and, and, and asked questions of them that, you know, that we, that we really started to, to get into a rhythm. So... Um, yeah, I'm just I'm so proud. I, I look back on 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 those on those times, and I, and I can still hear the noises. Yeah, you know, you know the, the hairs on my neck still stand up, and, and they'll, they'll they'll always be with me. You know, these people talk about money, but money can't buy those kind of experiences. No. You know, whether you're a supporter, whether you're a manager, whether you're a player. Um, you know, money can't buy the noise. You can't buy the the atmosphere. You can't buy the you know the the smell in the air, the the taste. Um, it's it's something that makes football totally unique, and like I say, I think hopefully it will, it will go down. And everybody that, that you know that was there that night, um, even though we lost, would remember it with um, would remember it with a bit of fondness. Absolutely, and uh, from that that then sparked the run. We lost a kid into the game after that, which I was speaking to Louis Briscoe a few weeks ago uh, on the podcast, and he was saying, you know, from a player's perspective, that really gave everybody a kick up the backside that they needed to, to focus and go and enjoy those moments of, um, you know, the noise and the support again. And then we go on this absolutely fantastic run. We smash Barrow, we, uh, we win game after game after game, we break records, and then it gets the final three games of the season – Braintree away, probably one of the the worst moments of the season for me. What do you remember of Braintree away? Three games to go, and it was, it was there for the taking. But in typical Mansfield fashion, it didn't quite go to plan, did it? I remember it like it was yesterday, Craig. Um, I remember the travel down. We was in good spirits. Uh, I can remember us taking, well, more or less filling the ground with our supporters. It was. Um, it was a carnival atmosphere. Uh, there were yellow and blue balloons everywhere. I, I honestly do think that I don't know. Uh, probably as a club that we thought that this would be the time when we could sort of yeah. clinch it. Um, and we went down there, and it was uh, it was an anticlimax. Yeah, that's all I can say. It was uh, you know the goals. I think we got off to a great start in Greeny score. Yeah. Um, and from there onwards. 
I think it was one of those games afterwards where I just went, we, this sounds weird, but we probably scored too early. Um, and we relaxed. You know, we didn't press. There was no, there was no, uh, there was no desire to, 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 you know, to get the second one quickly. And it's, it's like the, the tempo out of, out of our play stopped and, and, and dropped. And we allowed Braintree, you know, to get back into it. And from what I remember, I thought they, I think they, they scored a couple of really good goals. Um, you know, but it was, yeah, it was, um, it was a horrible feeling on the bus on the way back. And um, it was something that, in terms of the psychology and the group dynamics of, of what we had, I knew that I needed to, to do something from that game onwards to restart the players because it felt like, it felt like all our world had, had fell apart. Yeah. Looking at some of the players on the bus and even some of the, the more mentally stronger the ones were, you know, you could tell we're, we're a little bit down mentally. So um, I think that's where, as a manager and as a, as a coaching staff, that's where you go and earn your, your coin. And, you you know, it's it's not about – you can't feel sorry for yourself as a coach. It's all about your players. You've got to go in there. You've got to get them up. You've got, you know, you've got to, you've got to motivate them. And, and you've got to trick them, Craig. Yeah. You've got to trick them into, into, into still believing because at that stage after that, it was looking. Uh, it was looking as though we, you know, we might just miss out from what I, from what I remember. Yeah, I remember on the way back. Obviously, what made it worse is I think we uh, we had the three o'clock kickoff, but Kidderminster, who were chasing our tails all the way, had the later kickoff. I think they were at Wrexham. I might be wrong in the game, but I remember listening to it on the way back. Kidderminster. Minston basically needed to win to keep up with us. They ended up winning quite convincingly and we were fortunate then to have the game in hand at Hereford. But you mentioned, you know, the psychology there. What's going through your mind in at Hereford away, in the dressing room before kickoff? Was that probably the toughest team talk to, to deliver to try and send the troops out? Because again, it, it didn't get off to a great start, did it? No, I'll I, I go back beyond that. Is it? After the Braintree game, it was all about what we did from there. Um, I don't believe players listen to too much of what you say. I think they read into your body language in terms of what your body language is saying. And I knew uh, after the Braintree game that I had to make the players believe again. I think that was key. Um, the psychology of the game is so important uh, to get a group of, of human beings, and we're all vulnerable um, in some way, shape or form. You know, they've just taken a real hit on the chin and then just saw Kidderminster win late on, I think, um, was, was like being hit twice. And, um, you know, me and my coaching staff, we got around the players. It was all about belief. It was all about uh, what all about us. Um, we tried to get them to, to forget about what other people were doing. Um, and we spoke about the Hereford game being in our hands. You know, it, it's still in our hands. And um, I think just building into the Hereford game, uh, we'd got the boys onto a, a good, a good, in a good place in the heads again, and uh, I think the thing that sparked it in the Hereford game was we turned up while we was, while we was out walking on the pitch uh, pre pre game. Um, we noticed that Hereford invited Kidderminster down to watch the game and and we'd put them on a uh, a curry dinner and and a you know <laughs> a few drinks, which made the team talk really really easy. If I'm going to be totally honest, um, I think it's probably one of the most underhanded things uh, and unprofessional things I've, I've, I've come across in football. I would never, um, I would never think about doing something so cheap. 
Um, you know, and if I'm honest, I was a really angry man before the game. I know people think I was an angry man anyway, but, <laughs> uh, but, but I, I had to, I had to, I had to put that to one side, and everything that, that I said had to be positive um, and motivational. Um, and we did mention, you know, don't forget this, you know, Kidderminster just waiting for you to lose here. And I know for a fact that that Hereford would have preferred um, Kidderminster to, you know, to have won. Um, you know, I know some of the players personally now. One of them, one of them still plays. One of them plays for me now. So, you know, so I know their team talk of, of what what was what was said to them. Um, but what a fabulous night! What a fabulous night! Absolutely. You, you mentioned the Kidderminster players there. I remember getting to the ground, obviously, and being a commentator at that point. It was for me. I I try not to lose myself as a fan, but Cam always plays the clip of when Green scored, which was was just mental. But I think a lot of that came from the anger, as you mentioned before, of seeing the Kidderminster players, because all throughout the game, you can see, you know, five or six of them congregating, saying things about Mansfield and saying things about how they hope they, they mess it up and it all goes wrong from them and stuff like that. And it, it's become such a negative thing. So that euphoria at the end, I think that made it all the more special by virtue of the fact that we were sending a literal message to Kidderminster saying you can come and you can try and get under our skin but this is what we're capable of and this is what we've done good luck that that, that was it Craig it, it's you know the, the psychology of of how to turn a negative into a positive uh, with, with a group of players was key and uh, like I say we got off to a bad start I think we conceded quite early on after about nine nine or ten minutes yeah. in, in that game and you know I can't praise the boys enough for the response, and I can go through, I can talk through the game uh, like it was it's still in my memory from like it was yesterday. Uh, because after we, Lyndon went down the line, chipped into the far post, Greeny added the equaliser, and then if you remember, we missed two or three great chances. I remember Muz uh, missing an absolute sitter from the, from the edge yeah. of the box. Yeah, that was, and you just felt then that it wasn't going to come. But it, Adam Murray missed one, yeah, one on one. Uh, in the box, uh, Greeny missed a overhead kick. The keeper made a fantastic save. Yeah, the save. Um, yeah, and the, the the willingness for this group to to keep going beyond, you know, what was what was really expected of them, and and having the the whole world. And then you know, you you've talked about the Kidderminster game and sorry, the uh, the Hereford game where Kidderminster were there. We we had this with in in the second half of the season quite a number of times, if I'm honest, Craig, where it wasn't the case of people wanting to win a football match. It was that people wanted to stop Mansfield Town from getting promoted. And um, this, this is what made it just that little bit harder. Um, and, but that, that, you know, that, that taste of success was just a little bit sweeter. Um, you know, watching so many people that wanted us to, to fail. Um, you know, that was, that was a massive motivational tool at the end. Yeah, and hand hand on heart, I think it was one of those moments where I always remember saying in commentary, they had a shot late on, Marriott had managed to, to cling onto the ball and it was the noise from the Stags fans was just electric, even though it was, was one all and it, it might not have been. There was, it was like we was, the, the fans were trying to draw them into that goal, which was great. But what's going through your head when the Stags are shaping up in that last Marriott? Marriott's got the ball in his hands, Greeny and Reedy are up top, 
it always it went to Matt Reed, flicked it on, greens inside the box. The rest is history. What's going through your mind as uh, Alan Marriott pumps that ball forward? Did you think that it would come, or did you think we at that point we're going to have to really dig in on Saturday at, at home to, or whenever it was at home to Wrexham on the final day? No, I, I think we, we were creating a habit of winning games even late. That that then the you know that's half for the season, Craig. So. I always had this sort of inner belief, um, you know, people look at that, you know, the second half of the season, um, you know, but there was something about, I had so many people come up to me and, and say that they'd done the homework and my teams, I mean, I, I, even when I left Mansfield, I did it at Barrow, you know, yeah. we went 20 odd games unbeaten. Um, Eastwood were renowned for it, you know, winning games after the season. I just had this inner belief that we would, that we would, you know, that we'd win. Um, I never once thought that we wouldn't win at, at Hereford. I, I don't know. And um, we had this habit of, um, and we, had, we, you know, we, we had different dimensions to the side. You know, people talk about Matt Green, uh, sorry, Matt Reed, but I think, I, I think Reedy came on as a late sub in that game, didn't he? Yeah, he did, he yeah. That game. You know, so we always had a plan A, we had a plan B, and, and to be fair, we probably had a plan C and D in, and, you know, it was all about trying to score more goals in the opposition, trying to score as many goals as we can. And, um, you know, and I've looked back through that season and, and some of the goals we've scored were absolutely out of this world and late on as well. Um, so I always had this inner belief, especially after Christmas, where we were like a well-oiled machine. Where <laughs> there was just an inner belief amongst the boys that we would win. That's what we were, that's what we were destined to do. And, um, you know, I, I, I can, I can, I'm playing through the goal in my head now. Um, you know, I, I talk to some Mansfield fans, and you know, they, they say it's, it's one of the, the most important goals in, in the club's history, and it, it, it was, it was poetry in motion. It was, yeah. Um, you know, from from Alan Marriott, you know, in, into Reedy, um, and Reedy makes the header look easy, but the header was, you know, was directed. Um, you know, and then. Green has done what he's done best. Gets on the on the on the wrong side of a uh, you know, of the centre half and has a touch. You know, I think fast to be around his chest and, and volleyed it in. Then Craig was unreal. I can't remember something. I can't remember thing. <laughs> I, I, I I mean I came round and I was in the middle of the pitch. Um, <laughs> uh, here's a Maneka standing up as I'm talking oh, to you now. So am I. Think about it. Yeah. It, um, it gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Um, I've never experienced. Uh, anything like it in my life in terms of the chemicals running through my body um, I, I, I don't know it, it, I've never taken a drug in my life but it must be like football heroin yeah um, you know because of the the feeling that, that that you know not just me but everyone on the bench and it's only when I look back now at, at some of the video footage that you realise I think there are two people on my shoulders and um, you know the whole bench was you know, just ecstatic, and, and that, that that depicted us, Craig. We yeah. were, you know, we were as one. You know, going back to the the, the Woking game, the Woking game when people tried to put a, a spanner in our works there, we were one. We were we were one big team, family, you name it. We were one, and. I think, I think that's the game, isn't it? The uh, the Woking game where they put a brick through the window late on and Exus Cahegan was, was first out of the dressing room like a man possessed. Yeah, he was. <laughs> it was... Um, we, we were just... We just had each other at, at each other's backs. Um, you know what I mean? And it was... It, it was... Uh, I would say the best team always wins the trophy. 
and and, and that, you know that year I think it was by far the best team. Um, you know there was lows, there was highs. I remember Matlock away in the trophy. Was, yeah. Which was, uh, you know after the draw at home um, wasn't brilliant, um, but I always believed um, you know that, that we'd be successful. I, I always believed that we'd, we'd, we'd get the, the club out of the league. Um, I always believed that we'd do it quicker than the three years that, that John had given me, um, you know, to do it. Uh, so, yeah, just that, that, that moment um, sort of encapsulated everything that we'd been working for because, um, I don't know, it all seemed to come together in that, in that split second, I don't of, think with when Greeny scored. I don't think anybody could to, could write a script to, to better that. It, it was just absolutely unreal for, from where Mansfield had been. And you mentioned there, obviously, you know, the chairman had, had given you three years to get up. You did it in two, third season in charge. We're now in the football league, but I think one of the yeah. biggest blows at, at that at that point has got to be losing Matt Green. Yeah, look, you know, being totally honest, Craig, I, I, I was competing in League Two with the worst squad than, than, than I did that won the conference it's as simple as that you know, yeah. you're someone that 25 goals um, scores you 25 goals uh, and, and, and don't get I'll, I'll be totally honest here Greeny would have scored 20, 20, 22 goals 23 goals 25 goals in League 2 at that stage yeah. where we were I'd have loved to have kept everyone together it would have been it would have been fantastic um, I think we'd have been um, I do think we'd have been a force in League 2 if we'd have um, if, if everything would have been as, as it was but um, it wasn't um, saying that you know we've gone to Accrington with about is it about three or four games to go and I think if we'd have won there I think that would have put us in, in the playoffs I think in the first year um, yeah the finish in the you know, first we, season was, was something nobody could predict to, to compete the way we did having lost the amount of players we did and having yeah. perhaps lost the, the way we played because we absolutely had to change the way we played at, at that point having lost the players yeah. that we did yeah it, it, and then that was the case it was that transition it was a transition from what we were and I'll be honest with you the conference national winning side would have I think would have made the playoffs in League 2 that year yeah I really do um, you know, it was a well old machine and it, it didn't need much you know adding to it probably a little bit more quality in, in certain areas but you, you know, had a 20 goal a season plus striker that could score in League 2 um, we were always defensively solid anyway never gave really much away um, but you lose key key ingredients of of, of you of your what's it called um, you know of your side and you it, it, it takes its toll um, I'm saying that we I think on in terms of points wise I think it was joint ninth wasn't it we were, we were three clubs yeah. finished ninth um, we had the, wor- the worst goal difference of the three so we finished 11th um, you know so um, and it, it, was, it was a learning curve again as I looked at it it, it, it was the it should have been the start of a, of a three year cycle to get the club promoted from League 2 and who knows where who knows where it could have been and where it, it, it could have gone. There's a couple of moments, I'm conscious of time, um, there's, there's a couple of moments on in that first Football League season that I want to pick out before we talk about uh, you moving on. Uh, the first one um, is early on in that season, obviously, Chesterfield away, what is also known as Sir Calvin Andrew Day. What a time to score your one and only goal for Mansfield in a local derby. Yeah, um... 
what a fabulous result because I think it's one of the best Chesterfield sides. They I've won the league before. that year. Yeah, I mean, Cookie, uh, I, I get along with Cookie really well. Um, what a gentleman, what, what, a, what a, an absolute professional. Um, when we beat them that day, um, you know, he, he, he was a gentleman. He, he took it on the chin. He invited us in uh, for a couple of beers in his office. Went into a more, couple more beers. He's a proper scouser lad, so I loved him a bit. Um, I don't know if I, I could have done the same thing, to be fair, in the local derby like that, but... Um, Look, going back to the game, um, you know, we—I know we scored the goal, but some of the defending was was out of this world. Um, I remember the goal, and I remember Calvin Andrew. He must have done the hundred meters quicker than uh, Usain Bolt to get down to our supporters in the bottom end. Um, but once again, what 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 a day! What a day to um, you know to, to 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 win your local derby um, in, in in a manner. Um, Against, I, I'd like to say, for me, one of the best Chesterfield sides uh, in and around that sort of decade. Um, you know, they, they were excellent, some fantastic players. Um, so, so it made it all, um, all even better. You know, knowing that we'd beat a, an excellent side that, you know, like, like you said, Craig went on to to get promoted that year. Yeah, we, they certainly did, and uh, that again, it's one of those iconic moments which which just live on and, and live on. When you look back at that and you look at how quickly you ran, do you ever think why couldn't you run that quick in in games and maybe contribute a few more? Cause it, I, think... I, I, I actually said that. I actually said that when he was doing the run. Um, <laughs> yeah, to be fair, from he, he must have covered it quicker than Usain Bolt in a great running stance, if I remember right. You know, with his elbows high and his knees high and yeah. his uh, chest chest pushed, pushed out. Uh, look, I, I've come up against Calvin a, a number of times, and um, you know he's been a great servant of Rochdale. Yeah. Uh, you know, over the years as well, and um, it, it's one of those things, Craig, where I, I had a good relationship with Calv. Um, I do honestly believe that there was that there was more to him. Um, it was just one of those things. It, it sometimes timings everything in in life. Um, a bit like the Reedy situation. You know, some players. Um, Move on and, and and do do better at other clubs. You know that's unfortunately that's that's just football, isn't it? Yeah, I think you can pick one or two from that squad as well. You look at Sam Clucas in that year as well, who perhaps didn't perform as well for Mansfield, but that ends up going league up, league after league after league, right up to the top, which is just absolutely fantastic. As to see that must give you some pride as a manager as well. Do you know even even the the fact it's just a, a teensy proportion of his career that must give you some pride to see players going on and, and performing at, at, at that level yeah well it does I mean you look at Tafazoli yeah, yeah um, with Hull yeah you look at Sam, Sam Sam's been fabulous for Mansfield because you know I think I put in a I think it was at least, must at least a bit of 10% um, uh, sort of follow on clause in his contract so the club's been done really well out of his out of his uh, respective moves as well um, which is which is nice for you know for the chairman's you know helping the chairman um, you know in his bank balance you know to, to put more money into the club so um, so yeah the, the, you know the, the, these are good players that come in you know, ultimately you know they you know with Sam Sam come in and, and like all all good players are that are destined uh, to move on you know people see things in them and they come in and and, and the one thing that happens in football is it money talks Craig um, yes. It does. You know, everybody has his has his price. Um, you know the club accept, you know accepted the offer and and, and, and off he went. And that, that's part of my manager's job as well. Um, in terms of not just 
you know, winning football matches, it, it's you know, you've got to bring through players and 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 play, you know, sell players on to to you know to to the bigger clubs. That that's you know, it eases the the burden on you know on John and Carolyn and uh, helps them out a little bit. So um, yeah, it was all. Um, we, we, we had one or two good players that were, you know, I, I thought were destined to to go and play at you know a, a good level. Let's uh, just move on to one little last little story before we move on to your favourite thing, which I'm sure you you hate being reminded about, um, which is the quiz. Um, Bristol Rovers away, final day of the first season in in League Two. We're safe. They're not. They're fighting for relegation. And then Bristol Rovers win. Bristol Rovers, yeah, Bristol Rovers away. Last we're safe. They're fighting for relegation, scrapping to save the lives. Um, and then we forget the kit. <laughs> What's your memories of that day? Say that again, sorry. We we ended up forgetting the kit that day. We ended up playing in if you oh, remember right. we ended up, um, ended up playing in, in we, their we, kit. Yeah, we, we, we were safe, Craig. Um, we'd gone down there, we were quite relaxed. Um, until we got to the ground, and um, I think anybody that knows me um, knows my sort of personality. Is we went down there, and there was a bit of a, a carnival atmosphere, and um, that annoyed me a little bit, and because there was a, a big sort of feel around the ground that they were safe and that we'd. Um, you know that we 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 don't come for for a day out, and, and anybody that knows my teams know that we don't just come for a day out. Um, so there was a, there was quite a talk before the game in that, and and it was quite a robust performance, and we ended up winning one nil, and relegating Bristol Rovers. Um, I'm not saying that was our intention. Our intention was just to win a football match, um, but obviously the the scenes that followed were were horrendous. I think there was some, some guy got stabbed on on the pitch and. Police horses were on there, and um, yeah, it, it, it wasn't good. Um, you know, then I, I reported back pre-season, and I think I had a crate of a crate of lager from um, from Wickham's manager. <laughs> Saying, uh, I think they they were still on the pitch yeah. for yeah, waiting for I think they the result a little bit earlier. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it was it was it was a bit it was a, once again I use the word surreal again. It was a bit surreal the pitch invasion. You know the referee coming over to us with two minutes to go and just saying, "Look, you know, I'm, well, I blow the whistle. Just get off as quick as you can. Um, police horses are ready." Uh, and I think the, you know, the protests were there till, uh, till I think at least sort of six o'clock, from what I remember. Uh, we was all around the ground doing interviews and stuff like that, and the, the protests were still out front. Um, they'd locked it off. So, yeah, but um, you know, for me, you know, you shouldn't showboat. Um, you should never showboat. Um, you know, this game respects nobody. Um, you know, we'd come. We 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 we'd already, you know, been, you know, we were already uh, safe from, from relegation. Um, had, a, had an half decent season, and uh, and yeah, there was a carnival atmosphere and blooms and everything. And uh, I I don't think that should have happened. That sort of wound me up a little bit. Um, they thought we were going to come down and just just roll over. So. I think what um, I think what made that whole situation more surreal is the fact that we had to wear their away kit or their youth team kit because we'd f- Mezard forgot the shirts. Yeah, yeah, we had, we had to wear the black kit, didn't we? I yeah, think it was the black, the black, their, their black strip, um, which probably rubbed a little bit of salt in the wounds as well. Um, but no, I just it, it's one of my bugbears in football in terms of people showboating. Um, you know, whatever I've done in the game, uh, I've always liked. Giving people respect and 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 uh, and try to earn respect, um, 
you know, by doing things the right way. Um, some people might say, well, it's a bit boring and stuff like that, but um, you, in this game, you, you have to earn everything you, that, you, that you achieve. Um, you know, so getting down there and, and seeing all that was, uh, you know, for me was a little bit disrespectful, and, and that's uh, that's why we, you know, we, we probably went from from being eighty percent that day, whereas we pulled up to, to probably one hundred and twenty percent that day. Absolutely. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking to you, Paul, as always. One thing I wanted to do before uh, I let you go, though, other than just have a little chat about your exit, is if you remember back to uh, the Legends Live Night at the One Course Stadium where you, Adam Murray and Richie Barker came back, I feel that I've had this hanging over me for a long time, like I stitched you up a little bit that night. Would that be fair to say? Oh. The quiz. Can you remember the quiz? Remember what, sorry? Can you remember the quiz? Oh, yeah, yeah, I can't remember the quiz, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, though, Craig, I, I, I'm not the brightest when it comes to quizzes. We ask our last. <laughs> I'm not the brightest when it comes to stuff like that. So, it's, it, to be honest, it was, I looked at that, it was a bit of fun. And, you know, I mean, it was a bit, 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 bit shielded my... My lack of ability in quiz. <laughs> well, well, I'm glad that you've said it's it's a bit of fun, and I'm glad that you've said that you, you don't mind coming last. Because one thing I wanted to do was give you the opportunity to better your score from last time. But what I've done this time, <laughs> uh, I've given what I've done this time is I've made sure that all of the questions are related to things we've spoken about over the last hour. So it's about right, tapping okay. into your short-term memory. So hopefully this will be a little bit better for you. Is, is that all right? Short-term memory is worse than my, my long-term memory. Oh, oh, God. No, I feel even worse, but we're here. It's happening. On, so there you go. Uh, so obviously at the moment, I'll just remind you of your score and time from last time. Uh, you got five in a total time of two minutes 24, which is some way off where other people are on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Murray is uh, next in one minute 54. Um, Louis Briscoe. Yeah, that does surprise me, Muzz. I think Muzz is as good as me at quizzes as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Louis Briscoe was the last person to, to take part. He got seven in one forty-three. Would you just be happy just to beat your 224, even if you just got five again? Would you just be happy to beat your time? I've got to be happy to beat Briss, because Briss weren't the brightest, to be fair. Well, I've, you've, I've got you've, you've got to aim high, then. I've got, so got, 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 yeah, got, got to try and go for eight, Absolutely. Well, I'll remind you of the rules, OK? Uh, so you're going to yeah. face ten questions against the clock. You're looking to get the most correct answers in the quickest time. If you get an answer yeah. wrong, it's plus five seconds to your total time. If you pass, it's plus ten. So it's worth a go, even if you don't know i seem to remember from last time that you took yeah. quite a while to think about the answer so maybe if you're going for the time <laughs> thing just just shout anything it, it, it's, it yeah. works all right so the, the timer will start uh, after i've asked the first question are you ready yeah. to play the it's all about you quiz yes here we go in three two one paul you're now the manager of kettering but which former stags title winner is also in your kettering squad uh linda meekle Speaking of Kettering, you recorded your first win as Stags boss over your current employers. Can you name one of the three Stags goal scorers that day? Uh, Louis Briscoe. Matt Green was initially on loan from where? Oxford United. Your side fell short to promotion in your first season, losing to who in the playoffs? York City. Your sides loved scoring against Barrow, but in total, how many goals were netted? Was it 20, 22 or 24? Uh, 22. The Stags played host to Liverpool in the FA Cup in 2012-13. Can you name one of the teams we beat en route to round three? Uh, 
Um, Slough. That Dream, That Dream is an anagram of which title winner who you also managed at Eastwood? That Dream. Lee Stevenson. At the end of your first season in the Football League, your side relegated Bristol Rovers, but what was unique about that match? Uh, we played in their kit. Which of your former players had a short-lived stint as in the managerial hot seat at the start of this season for the Stags? Uh, John Dempster. And finally, in the title-winning season, who finished as second top goal scorer to Matt Green? Lee Stevenson. And I'll stop the clock right there. Paul, I can. How do you think? The was green, wasn't it? Yeah, you've absolutely nailed it. How do you think you, you did in that? I just hope I'm beating Muzzin and uh, Bruce. Have a, have a guess at how many that you got right in that one. Eight. You think you got eight? Yeah. I can tell you that you've just gone from the bottom all the way to top. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, don't, don't, don't. that's another championship medal, isn't it? Absolutely, You've, that's un, that is absolutely <laughs> unreal. You, the only one. I'm give Bristol and Muzzle ring there and let them know. Absolutely, I don't. I doubt they'll remember even doing it or the, or, or whatever. But um, the only one you got wrong straight away, you said it as, as we finished. That dream was Matt Reed. If you'd have got that, yeah. it'd have been an absolute clean sweep. And you've done it by an absolute whisker as well. The current leader prior to you playing was John Delaye, who got who was a very intelligent man, and now a maths teacher. He's a real, yeah, managed John, John at Eastwood. Yeah, he's, he's a real saying, yeah. lad, so. He got nine in one minute forty-three. You got nine in one minute forty-two. Oh, so that's going to take some beating now, isn't it? So I, I, I don't think that we will ever find anybody. Uh, who is capable of beating that score? I think that's an absolutely incredible round. Maybe, maybe. Just make so- sure you tell everyone that, Craig. Absolutely. I mean, maybe people will say that the questions were quite easy, but and I probably shouldn't have given you a second chance. But how could I not? How could I not give no, you the yeah, opportunity yeah. to 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 do that? Certainly. So, you send the ten thousand pound check to, to to my house for for the for the winning. Uh, this is not who wants. This is not who wants to be a millionaire. We certainly don't have a budget for that. There's no trophy. It's it's just for the pure joy, which I think it's brought yeah, uh, myself and a lot of listeners who will be listening to that as well. Um, Paul, I, I don't mind. I, I'll, I'll try and get in touch with JD as well and uh, John Delia and just, uh, just let, let him know because he is a clever, clever. Yeah, he, we clever, when we spoke person. to him when we did the interview with him, we spoke to him. He said, "I doubt that'll ever be beaten." So there, there you go. You'll have to, you'll have to get in there with I'll that. Get in touch with JD. Uh, just remind him. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, before we let you go, um, we just want to bring it nicely to a close. Obviously, you took us up. We got to the playoffs. You took we. We're champions. We had a stable season in League Two. The season after, uh, I believe, was was the final season for you. Just talk us through the process of uh, you leaving Mansfield Town and, and, and moving on. Because unlike most ex-managers, it's fair to say you've still got an excellent relationship with the f- supporters. And regardless of yeah, what happens yeah. towards the, the end, people still hold you in very high regard, which I think is very, very rare. No, I, I think I've got an, an excellent uh, relationship Um I think throughout my, my time there, you always have the ups and downs. And I think as a football manager, you, you know, I've always said, you know, when we lose, you, you deserve to get stick as a player and a manager. 
So, but I think the fans have always, always supported me, um, and I, I, I've always had a good relationship with them. Probably more so now. Um, you know, you know, when we look back and reminisce on sometimes, uh, we, we was on that on that journey, Craig, where I think sometimes we forgot just how well we were doing. Um, you know, I mean, and, and then you look at the the second season in in League Two. You know, it was well documented that the budgets were cut and, and slashed. And that's not a, it wasn't a problem. Nothing was down to budgets. It's just that I'd been in the game a long time then, yeah. Craig, as, as a manager. Um, I felt tired, physically, mentally tired. Uh, I can remember going in to see John uh, a week before before I resigned, and and um, he looked at me and I just said, you know, I want to have a chat. And he said, well, okay, but I might, if you're going to resign, I'm not accepting resignation, uh, re re resignation. Uh, which put that into place. We went for a pint, um, but it was it, it, I was making sort of tired decisions at that stage. Um, I felt I needed a break from from the game, not not from Mansfield. And when I went in the second time, John could see that I, I, I really meant it. So, you know, I think John, I think reluctantly, you know, accepted it um, because we had we had you know we had a we had a pint about six weeks later. Um, and John just said, how are you feeling? And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a lot better now. And he said, well, do you think you made a, the right choice in resigning? And I, uh, I, I reluctantly said, yes, I think I've made the right choice. I said, but, you know, I, I felt tired. And he said something like, if you felt tired, you could have gone holiday for a couple of weeks and you'd have still been, you'd have still been here now and managing. So, um, and they're the little things why I, I hold John in such high regard, John and Carolyn. Um, you know, I, I, I hope in my relationships never, uh, never wilted. Um, you know, I went on then, Craig, and and, and I, I should have took I should have took the, the two-year break that, I, that I've just had out of the game and just um, should have sat there, reflected, educating myself because you you, you stop learning, you become a bit blink blinkered. Um, you know, I've, I've seen my, my girls growing up now, which I which I didn't do. Um, I can remember picking Ellie up when we won the championship, and she was only a little baby, but never really saw, you know, any um, anything of her because it, it, the game consumes you. Um, but you know, I, I, looking back, I wouldn't I wouldn't have changed it for the world. It was um, some fabulous memories, uh, met some fabulous people, uh, some fabulous experiences, and um, you know, for me, that's what that's what life's all about, and. Uh, you know, I'd do it all over again. I'd do it all over again. Um, you know, what I mean, it was it, it was a superb journey. And on the back of that, obviously, you mentioned you know you, you didn't take a break straight away. You went into to management roles elsewhere. I think Torquay, Barrow, and then you ended up at, at Guiseley a few seasons ago, and ended up magic of the FA Cup again, coming back to Mansfield. What was that like when you, you saw? that cup draw come out that your guys decide we're we're coming back i think a lot of it labeled it as back home because you were re, you know reunited reunited with adam murray and things like that as well what was that like to, to come back to the one course stadium but from the opposite dugout well it, it, it was one that you know the you know some of the big statements were coming back home um and that's how it felt a little bit craig if i'm honest I think sometimes you, you, there's a little bit of anxiety in there that you don't know what sort of reception you get, and you know probably brought a little bit of tears to my eyes the reception I got um, because of you. You know everyone kind of forgets. It's only when now when we we've had time to reflect and sit down and 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 sort of assess what we did in those in those times that you, you realise just what good times there were. Um, but I was so I was so like probably overwhelmed with 
with with the response I got. Um, you know, and it'll always sit with me in a, in a special place. It always will. Um, I think the, the the club will. Um, you know, and um, the result was an absolute car crash. No, it, well, that, that was, for you maybe. That, 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 <laughs> for you, for you guys maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was a car crash because you, yeah, I wanted to come back and you you, you don't you know as much as it is, I, I'm all, I'll always be a competitor. Yeah, um, and. You know, I, I wouldn't want to see anything sort of bad happen to Mansfield Town. You know, I want to see you know good things for them, and I want to see them promoted and stuff like that. But you know, with me, with the competitive, you know, as, as I've got you, you know, the team that Steve put together at that stage was um, was awesome um, and was flying at the time, and we knew we had it all on. Um, it was like I say, it was um, you know, I. I, I I feel sorry that I let myself down on, on, on the day that we didn't perform. But, you know, going back to the, to the part before the game, yeah, it, it was nice that, you know, the, the, some of the, you know, the headlines coming in was, you know, coming back home because that's what it, it kind of felt like. I think one of the things um, for that game for me is whenever ex-managers come back or ex-players come back, there tends to be a bit of a boo factor and, and things like that, which you see over and over again. But I've genuinely, genuinely never felt... Uh, such respect to towards ex-players and, and managers and yourself and Adam Murray when you came back that day. I was expecting to, I was prepared as well to, to argue with the other fans about, you know, the fact that you guys put in the work to, to get us to where we were. But there was, there was genuinely nothing of that. It was genuine respect, which I think just highlights the incredible work you did. No, it, it, was, it was very humbling. Um, like I say, you, you're always, as the, the human being, you're always always will look at these situations and, and I'm not bothered who you are um, I can remember when we played Carlisle at home and Keith Kill waiting for me in the, in the in the tunnel and asking if he could come out walk out with me um, there's always an anxiousness about about going back to a place um, you know that you have so many fond memories of and, and like I say the anxiousness is you know will you get it doesn't really matter if somebody booed but I just I don't know it's just I had so many special memories of the, of the place and um, I feel as though we, we, we put the foundations in um, to move the club you know the youth the youth set up uh, all the infrastructure of the football club um, you know and it, it, it was lovely to see to see things you know moved on to a to another level you know budgets and training grounds and you know everything. You know the club's geared now for, dare I say, for League One and and, and a push at you know maybe, maybe the championship. So it was it was everything was was kind of I use the word again a little bit surreal. Um, you know when you when when you hear the applause I got and the thank yous and and the well wishes not just on the day but you know after during a text and before during a text etc. It's it's very very humbling and and once again something that will. Um, they were sitting, you know, with me, you know, it's an experience that you just can't buy. Um, I'm so proud that, you know, I had that, you know, I had that massive part to play in, in the club's history. 
Absolutely. I think that's the, the best place to leave it as well because you are still a part of the club's history and will be in the future as well. Obviously, now manager of Kettering, still got great relationships with people like Richard Cooper and taking some of the young lads on, on loan like Alistair Smith and uh, uh, Amari Sterling James and, and players like that who are at Kettering helping you out. And fingers crossed when football comes back and all of this situation about COVID-19 is, is, is over. I look forward to a Mansfield Town side, no doubt, coming to Kettering for a pre-season friendly and you know some, seeing some of the those old faces and seeing those uh, relationships uh, continue as well. Paul, it's been an absolute honour and pleasure to uh, chat with you for the last 90 minutes or so. It feels like two minutes, uh, but it, it's really done wonders to, to help you know for, forget about the situation we find ourselves in and hopefully it has for the listeners as well. Um, finally from you, what's your message to uh, those Stags fans and, uh, uh, and all of the faithful who uh, have supported you during your, your time with the club? Uh, one would be a massive thank you for the support that, that you gave me, the players. Um, and two would be to get behind Graham now and and um, help him help him push on uh, and, and achieve the, the club's goals, which is is ultimately getting out of League Two. Um, everything's everything's geared for it now. Um, you know the setup, the infrastructure, training ground, everything's geared now. It just takes um, just takes you know one big push and, and like I say. I think the fans, um, the fans can have a massive part to play uh, in, in, in that success. It's just, uh, you know, as I said in the early part of the, you know, the podcast, is that um, you know we've got to become one again, become one, and and drive this club into League One. And then who knows? Who knows? You, you know, we, we, we've always got to, we've always got to uh, dare to dream, as I call it. at the end from Paul Cox there will be words which echo on and on in my mind until we next get to see football be played again. About now would have been the full-time whistle on the 2019-2020 season. In truth it's been over for the past six, seven weeks or so since this whole coronavirus outbreak. I hope you guys are all keeping well at home. Thanks very much for listening and for sharing. If you've enjoyed what you've listened to today please, please, please Give this a share on Facebook, Twitter, wherever. Like and subscribe as it all helps. We don't receive a penny from this podcast and I wouldn't want to. Pure enjoyment of being able to spend the best part of two hours speaking to a man who transformed the football club and led us back to where we are today was something special. I had some personally special times during that uh, those couple of seasons, especially the, uh, the conference seasons there. And... Paul played a massive part in that. Those are days which I'll never forget as a football fan and days which will live long in the memory of both myself and fellow supporters who were there during those magical times. We will be back for another Best Time of the Week podcast very, very soon indeed. Make sure you check out our website www.mtfcmatters.co.uk for details along with all our social media pages as well. What's left to say from me is my expressed thanks to Paul for taking the time to speak to me and for you guys at home for listening. Stay safe and even though it might not seem it at the moment, we will get through this 
and times like these will return. As Paul said, success is built on strong foundations. At the moment, those foundations are a little bit loose and wobbly, but by coming together, we will make them strong again and we will go one step further. got to become one again become one and, and drive his club into league one and then who knows who knows you, you know we, we, we've always got to we've always got to uh, dare to dream as I call it the TalkSport fan network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year we understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.